Welcome, everyone, to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host, Viz. I want to welcome all of our viewers from around the world. If you're joining us for the first time and want more information about our show, please visit our website at deadtalklive.com. You can see all of our guests, our featured episode, recent episodes, and if you have yet to do so, please also visit us on YouTube. Our channel's name is Dead Talk Live, and please feel free to go ahead and subscribe. Let me welcome some of you into the chat tonight. Of course, we have our moderator, singer chick, Khaleesi, is joining us. We are joined by YMMIJ, who submitted a video that we're going to be airing tonight as well. Welcome to CC Weezy on YouTube. Welcome to all you guys. We got Philip Thompson from Facebook, all the way from Montana. Man, it must be cold right now in Montana. Sammy is also with us, and he's from Montana. I guess we're very popular in Montana. That's awesome. Uh, on the Instagram side, I want to welcome Victor, Manson, uh, Renee is with us. Marie, of course, is moderating. Uh, Carly is with us. Welcome to all you guys on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. So it's been a very interesting week here on Dead Talk Live. We've done, we've had three special guests over the last four days. We started the week off with Charlie from Fear the Walking Dead, Alexa Neesonson, and then Wednesday we had Spears from Black Summer, Justin Chu Carey, and yesterday we had Jamie King, who of course played Ro who plays Rose on Black Summer. Uh, and I gotta admit, guys, yesterday's interview with Jamie, the best word that I can use to describe it was profound. It was a fascinating interview. Um, you know, I have my notes I prepare before each interview, and the conversation got so deep, and it was so great. And if you guys missed it, I highly encourage you to go back and watch it. Jamie has been in the entertainment fashion industry since she was 13 years old. Uh, at the prime of her modeling career, she made the switch. She was a top uh, fashion model. And at the prime, at 17, she made the switch into acting. And to hear her tell her story, uh, coming from being a, an extremely successful model and then into the movie business, TV business, and becoming successful there. And to hear her describe her experience on the awesome Netflix uh, zombie show, Black Summer, it was, it's something to watch. I can't, words really can't describe it. If you guys, I highly encourage you guys to go back and watch yesterday's interview with Jamie King. It's available on our YouTube channel, Facebook, Twitter, uh, it'll be there permanently. So, you know, it's something that is was profound. So anyway, YMMIJ is in Canada, even colder there, I would imagine. Want to welcome TB Edits. Welcome, Dice. It's, we have uh, a video from TB Edits as well. We've got two videos that were submitted over the, the last couple of days, uh, and we're going to show them both tonight. Uh, of course, the first one, as I just mentioned, was from Thais Patera, who submits great videos, great video edits. We have another great one from uh, YMMIJ. Uh, you can check out his YouTube channel as well, YMMIJ. And we're going to start off with uh, TB Edits video, Thais. Uh, it's a great video called Seven, uh, Seven Nation Army. And you know what? Let's just get right to it. Here it is. Check it out, guys. All right, listen to me. Right. Magazine goes in here, releases here. Make sure it latches. Pull back the operating rod and round speed up. Keep squeezing the trigger for rapid fire, okay? Right. You shoot, we run. Don't let them get close. I hear it's fine. You say come locked and loaded. Okay, then we're here.
So there you guys have it. It's been a while since I've said it, so I'm going to say it again. Uh, the reason why I like people submitting their video edits, not just of The Walking Dead, uh, of any TV show, horror movie they like, it's because it gives us an inside look on how other people view a program that we all like. And that was an awesome video. So thank you so much for that contribution. Uh, the channel, the YouTube channel name for Thais is TB Edits. If you guys want to go check it out, I highly recommend it. We're going to be showing YMMIJ's video in just a little bit. But let's go on to some news that has been happening. Apparently, uh, there was another delay in Georgia with The Walking Dead filming. The popular TV show The Walking Dead will start filming again in Atlanta after COVID-19 delays. The show is filmed in Sonoya. The local and the local manager said that they hope to begin shooting. Well, this is going back to when they started back in February. They are underway. Uh, they make it. They made it seem like there was another delay by the headline. That's why I hate clickbait headlines. And I've God, I've railed against that for the longest time. Anyway, according to the entertainment news site, six new ten bonus episodes, what they're calling season ten bonus episodes followed by the 12 episodes of season 11, will close out 2021. The final 12 episodes will air in 2022. And if all things go according to plan, we know that the first episode is going to premiere on February 28th. This is the first of the six bonus episodes. And hopefully, hopefully season 11 
will begin sometime in October. Now, when it comes to the other two shows, Fear the Walking Dead and the second season of World Beyond, are they all going to be released in October? I think that's a little bit overload, but it's all up to AMC, so let's see what how they do it. Um, an untitled spinoff, of course, featuring Daryl and Melissa McBride's Carol will premiere the following year. This is after the original show does come to an end in 2022. And an episodic anthology, Tales of the Walking Dead, which I've mentioned this before, that is the show that I'm really looking forward to, is in development by AMC and the show's chief content officer, Scott Gimple. Uh, It's been 10 years gone by what lies ahead are two more to come and the stories and stories to tell beyond that. Now, when he says 10 years, I think he means in our time, 10 seasons have gone by. And I I hate keep going back to this freaking time reference thing, but there is no way with all the time jumps that we have seen in 10 seasons of The Walking Dead that they are only 10 years into the apocalypse. I find that very, very hard to believe. I've said it before and I'll say it again. According to my estimates, using my own reference points, they're more likely 17 to 20 years into the apocalypse. But without any of the top people coming out and saying, yeah, it is 10 years into the apocalypse, none of them have done that. It's just left to us to just keep guessing. Anyway, what's clear is that the show has been about the living made by a passionate cast, a team of writers, producers, and crew bringing the life, the vision put forth by Robert Kirkman in his brilliant comic and supported by the best fans in the world. Absolutely on that. We have a lot of thrilling story left to tell on The Walking Dead, And this end will be the beginning of more Walking Dead. Brand new stories and characters, familiar faces and places, new voices, and new mythologies. This will be a grand finale that would lead to, that will lead to new premieres. Evolution is upon us. The Walking Dead lives. So, not really much new information in that one. All right, next on the list, The Walking Dead, a Walking Dead star predicts who the last person standing will be at the show's end and Rick returns. Now, this ought to be interesting. These are all different cast members making their prediction because they don't know either. The Walking Dead is coming to an end after 11 seasons in 2022. Who will survive AMC's long-running zombie apocalypse series. Some of the cast have their thoughts. I just think it's probably going to be Norman or Norman and Melissa, former The Walking Dead cast member Emily Kinney, who played Beth, uh, said in an exclusive clip provided to Insider from AMC's upcoming The Walking Dead holiday special. We do have that holiday special, and it should be coming up very soon. I forgot the date, but it's coming up very soon. Uh, She uh, goes on to say that's a pretty logical guess considering AMC previously announced the spinoff with Daryl and Carol. Regardless, Lauren Cohen, who plays Kinney's fictional older sister, Maggie on the series, looked stunned by Kinney's response. I guess she might have been a little stunned that Emily did not also add Lauren to the list of survivors. Who knows? When Kinney noticed her face, she immediately changed her tune, saying, I don't know what I was thinking. That's funny. If I, Emily Kinney, was writing the script for the end, I would definitely pick Maggie as one who is like the ruler of all the new worlds, Kinney said. They beat zombies. It's all over. Maggie is president, Kenny added. That's not that far off from what happened at the end of the Walking Dead comics. Maggie becomes the leader of all the colonies, 
and they do eventually wipe out the majority of the undead. Now, let's back up there a second. The majority of the undead in their area, sure. But we got to remember, this virus is not just isolated to the United States. It's worldwide. Uh, at least that's what we've been led to believe. I mean, it's a pretty safe assumption. It's not just in the United States. It's worldwide. The whole world went to shit. So them wiping out the majority of the undead in the world? No. No. Uh, maybe in their surrounding areas? Sure. You know? Khaleesi writes that the holiday special will be on the 13th. Okay? That's just two days away. That's this Sunday, I believe. So keep an eye out for that, guys. I assume it's going to be on The Walking Dead's official YouTube channel. That's just a guess. Or the AMC website. It's going to be in either one of those two places. But if you guys want to watch the uh, Walking Dead holiday special where they're going to bring in cast members, past, present, from all three shows, Fear, World Beyond, and, of course, The Walking Dead, uh, it's going to be on Sunday. And Khaleesi says it's going to be on AMC+. Plus. So, I guess if you don't have AMC+, Plus, then I guess you're not going to be able to watch it. Maybe not live on uh, Sunday. You know, we got to wait and see. I want to... Um, Welcome, Andres, with us on uh, YouTube. Welcome to all you guys who've just joined us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Jordan is with us on Instagram. Rick One Grimes has just joined us. NECA is also with us. Welcome to all you guys on Instagram. Uh, anyway, Cohen chimed in with the perfect way to wrap up the series. And then the helicopter with Rick and Michonne in it lands cohen said referencing rick's famous disappearance from the flagship show in november 2018 the protagonist was carried off from the show in a mysterious helicopter that we know is part of a larger group called the civic republic an upcoming the walking dead movie is supposed to tell us more about what happened to him Michonne, meanwhile, departed The Walking Dead earlier this year after she found evidence that Rick might still be alive. The hour-long holiday special debuting Sunday morning exclusively on AMC+, there you guys go, will feature current past Walking Dead cast members to talk about the holidays, reminisce, 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 sorry, I can't speak today, of the past decade of the franchise and look ahead at what's next in the world of The Walking Dead. Cohen and Kinney will be joined by Melissa McBride, Carol, Josh McDermott, Eugene, Kari Payton, uh, King Ezekiel, Cooper Andrews, Jerry, Lauren Ridoloff, uh, Connie, Kaylee Fleming, uh, Judith, Irony Singleton, uh, T-Doc, Eleanor Matsura, uh, Yumiko, the Walking Dead Universe Chief Content Officer Scott Gimple and showrunner Angela Kang. And of course, Chris Hardwick is going to be the host. So there you guys have it. I'm definitely going to watch that. I hope it's available uh, to replay because I am not a morning person. <laughs> I work straight through the night and a lot of times I don't get to bed till sometime between 5 and 7 a.m. So I wonder what time they're actually going to air it. And hopefully it will be available to rewatch whenever you want on AMC+. Uh, welcome, I'm a white boy on YouTube. So let's get to our second video for tonight, okay? Like I said, this is a submission by YMMIJ. It's a Negan video. So let's just go ahead and check it out. save people. You think that it makes you strong to say that emotions aren't real, that we are animals. That is bullshit. Sanctuary. How badass was that place? And then Rick Grimes comes along. 
guys have it i want to thank ymmij so much for submitting that great video you can check out his youtube channel again it's ymmij it was great thank you so much for submitting that to us and allowing me to share it with our viewers so let's move on uh this one the fear of the walking dead beginning of the end that famous famous spray painting spray painting spray can spray can graffiti that we've been seeing since the premiere of season six and we still have absolutely no idea what it's about a lot of people are guessing that it's the return of madison i, I don't know i have no idea i hope so but i don't know a few weeks ago we are here, uh, we here at Undead Walking had our The Walking Dead Season 1 appreciation. With nothing new until February, we decided to have another appreciation week, this time focusing on the first season of Fear the Walking Dead. During that first week, I looked back at the first season of The Walking Dead and searched for everything referencing and predicting, uh, sorry, or preceding the zombie outbreak and tried to analyze what it told us about this lost period in the show's history. Well, since the whole premise of fear was to show the outbreak happening, I decided doing that would be redundant. So instead, I've decided to go back over the show's first two episodes and look for all the hints about the outbreak we see. And I'm with them. You know, fear was presented to us when it first came out as the beginning of the apocalypse. Uh, I would have liked to see more of how the world was reacting than just a few episodes in that season. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could see that the whole season was all about the beginning, but I don't know, it felt like some stuff was held back from us. 
uh, you know, everything starts out normally. You hear some reports of this weird virus going around. It's also been, you know, theorized that the, the, the walker that Nick runs into when we are first introduced to him uh, in that episode is patient zero of the zombie apocalypse. I don't think we'll ever get a definitive answer on that one. But I would have liked to see more of how the world is reacting. Uh, that's what I think made Black Summer such a great show. I mean, we've only had one season. Season two is coming out uh, soon. Is because it, it really focused in on, you know, how civilization really just completely falls apart at the seams. From the first episode all the way through the uh, seventh episode. So anyway, uh, well, since the whole premise of fear, uh, like I said, it was to show the beginning of the, the apocalypse. After, after having gone back over those episodes, I was honestly surprised about all the little clues we get just in that very small window. Before everything formally starts breaking down, honestly, this is why I got so frustrated with how accelerated the series often felt, which goes to what I just said. Because they did such a good job subtly building tension and leaving clues about what was to come that I wanted more of it. And it was just something we, we did not get as much of as the show wore on. So, for this week, let's take a look back at all the little clues the uh, Fear of the Walking Dead gave us before everything went to hell. Uh, you know, and then they go on and list the, you know, the whole little stuff about the news, the uh, about this virus spreading, which if you watch any zombie show about the beginning of an apocalypse, like a zombie apocalypse, that's always, uh, that's been a standard going all the way back to Night of the Living Dead. If you guys remember Night of the Living Dead, one of the first things they try to do is to get that TV up and running uh, to get some kind of information of what's going on, what's going on around them. This is the night. Everything was fine during the day, and during that night, everything falls apart in Night of the Living Dead. And in that little brief uh, scene where they got reception to watch the news before the TV stations went down... It's even mentioned in the movie about it possibly coming from space. So, anyway, you guys can go over and watch the first couple of episodes of Season 1 of Fear the Walking Dead and see what kind of clues you guys can pick up that might have been missed initially when you first watched it. So, Morgan Jones' creation inspired by a horror legend, okay? By now, every fan of The Walking Dead knows Morgan Jones. The character was one of the first introduced in both the comic book series as well as the AMC drama and turned that success into a leading role in the spin-off Fear the Walking Dead. Morgan was introduced to help Rick Grimes adjust to the zombie apocalypse and prepare him for some of the drama and the terrors that he would never that he would later encounter and to go even a step further morgan is the one who told him what the hell was going on this guy just woke up from a coma and he didn't know if he's been transported to an alien planet uh just imagine waking up from a coma and the whole world as you know it completely gone however he wasn't just a disposable character with no deeper meaning in the cutting room floor section of The Walking Dead Deluxe Issue 1, Robert Kirkman revealed that his inspiration for Morgan came from for his love for George Romero, which, who is well known for creating some of the most iconic zombie movies of all time. And they're being a little modest on that. George Romero is the grandfather of the modern-day zombie. Here is what uh, Kirkman had to say about Morgan. Morgan was meant to be a Romero tribute character in a lot of ways. In all three core Romero zombie movies, the coolest, 
most capable character is the black guy. So I knew I wanted to introduce a strong black character right away. Of course, Kirkman is right. Ben is an amazing character from Night of the Living Dead, while Peter stands out from Dawn of the Dead, and John is fascinating in Day of the Dead. The biggest Easter egg is that Dwayne Jones is the name of the actor who plays Ben. Uh, I've mentioned this in passing before. So the Night of the Living Dead, the original, the black and white, uh, the character's name is uh, Ben. But the actor's name who played Ben is Dwayne Jones. I don't know how many of you guys knew that or not. Uh, and is also the son of Morgan in the Walking Dead universe. So where does the name Morgan come from? Well, that's another fun little Easter egg from Kirkman. I told Tony to draw him like a young Morgan Freeman, and the name just stuck. I, I did not know that. The last name Jones stuck with, thanks to the nod to Dwayne Jones in Night of the Living Dead, and it carried over to his father. Now, when you look back at The Walking Dead's Morgan Jones in any medium, you can think about the legacy left behind by the late George A. Romero, as well as just how freaking awesome Morgan Freeman is. And I'm a big Morgan Freeman uh, fan. He is amazing. And man, he's been in about everything. That's how popular Morgan Freeman is. Uh, Stone Walker says, I'm still theorizing about his son being alive. Now, if that was true, it would have happened already. Now, now, Dwayne is gone. You know, Morgan explained it very well in that episode of season three, Clear, when he's gone batshit crazy and Rick and Michonne and Carl catch up to him, killing everything that moves. Rick has him tied up and he explains the whole thing. He explains how his walker wife, who he could not put down, end up biting Dwayne. And in the background on the chalkboard writing, you can see where it says Dwayne turned. So that's when he had to make the decision and it was too late. If he would have taken out his walker wife, it Dwayne might still might be alive. We don't know. We don't know. But we do know that Morgan losing his entire family, his wife Jenny, and his son Dwayne was a huge character pivot moment for the character of Morgan Jones on The Walking Dead. And of course, to this present day, on Fear the Walking Dead, you hear him referencing his family quite often. Quite often. So anyway, guys, let's get on to our topic tonight, all right? Tonight, we are going to be talking about, you know, psychological horrors, okay? And I've got this pretty cool, uh, you know, list here that we're going to kind of go off of. And it lists some of the best psychological horror movies that we have gotten over the decades, okay? Now, number one, of course, without any question... Some of you might argue this, but number one on the list is The Silence of the Lambs. Not only is it a psychological horror film, it's also got blood, gore, guts, intrigue. It has, it has everything. And it was a groundbreaking film that actually won an Oscar. It swept the Oscars that year. Uh, I believe Best Film, Anthony Hopkins won Best Actor, and so on. The Silence of the Lambs wasn't the first adaptation of writer Thomas Harris's work featuring Hannibal Lecter, but it's recently the most notable. The movie is basically a perfect thriller from start to finish, but with enough truly depraved crime and violence to land a spot as number one on the list. You know this, but Anthony Hopkins' take on Lecter is absolutely incredible. He won the Academy Award for Best Actor, 
despite only about 15 minutes of screen time in the movie. Wow, he only had 15 minutes of screen time? That's surprising, because uh, the movie is like two hours long. And just to think that, you know, Hopkins' portrayal of Hannibal Lecter had only 15 minutes of screen time, I had no idea. Hopkins and Jodie Foster, sorry, Foster, are the headliners, but it's Ted Levine's Buffalo Bill who might scare you the very most. And the whole backstory that surrounds Hannibal Lecter and the FBI is really truly about the FBI's behavioral analysis unit, whether it's the original, well, I should not use the word original, but whether it's Silence of the Lambs, uh, the sequel Hannibal, the prequel Red Dragon, Hannibal Lecter was very first mentioned in a movie in the 1980s movies called Manhunter. Of course, there was the Hannibal series. And on February 11th, guys, Michael Cudlitz is starring in a brand new series uh, that is going to focus on Jodie Foster's character, Clarice, a year after the whole Hannibal incident. And I'm not talking about Silence of the Lambs. I'm talking about the whole Clarice that spilled over into the sequel, which is called Hannibal. So it's her coming back to the field, back to the FBI, uh, a year after the events that unfolded in the sequel Hannibal. And Michael Cudlitz is going to be in that show. It's going to be on CBS. It's uh, premiering February 11th. And Michael Cudlitz is going to be coming back to our show, Dead Talk Live, uh, shortly before February 11th to talk about Clarice and to promote it. So he's going to be coming back. Just want to let you guys know, uh, if you guys missed that, that is listed on our website. Uh, number two on the list is uh, The Shining. And the thing that stands out the most about The Shining is Jack Nicholson. He's absolutely brilliant. Uh, I mean, Jack Nicholson, talk about talent, but as he's slowly being possessed or influenced, whatever you want to call it, of the spirits of the Overlook Hotel and The Shining to the very end of the movie when he's fully depraved and is dead set on killing his own family, he was just absolutely brilliant. It's based on Stephen King's legendary 1977 novel of the same name, but with some very key differences. Now, Kubrick is the one that made the movie, uh, and he did make a lot of changes to the movie. He made the movie be a lot more of a paranormal, a haunted hotel in which a family is brought in to just keep an eye on it during the winter months when it's closed. Uh, the Shining, the way Stephen King wrote it, is actually better explained in a movie that's coming up on, the, on further down the list here in the sequel that's called Dr. Sleep. So if you watch The Shining... And you've also watched the sequel, which is great, by the way, called Dr. Sleep. That is going to give you a better idea. If you've never read the book by uh, Stephen King, The Shining, it's going to explain in a lot more detail what The Shining is all about. Okay? Uh, and number three on the list is Dr. Sleep, the sequel to The Shining. While Dr. Sleep is more of a sequel to Stephen King's The Shining book than Stanley Kubrick's 1980 masterpiece, there are some major differences. It's nonetheless, nonetheless one of the biggest scale horror films we have seen in recent years, uh, starring uh, Ewan McGregor, plays a grown-up version of Danny Torrance, who was a little kid in the original movie, who finds a young girl with similar powers to himself. A cult gets involved, and then things get wild. So to basically, if you guys never seen it, to explain to you what The Shining is, uh, Danny 
character and this little girl that he meets up in Dr. Sleep, they're basically psychics. They're mediums. And it's referred to in the movies as The Shine. Okay, so that's how the title, The Shining, that's what it means. If you've got The Shine, you have this ability to communicate with the dead. You're basically a psychic. Uh, Mike Flanagan, who also did Haunting of Hill House, is becoming a horror master in his own right. And HBO Max subscribers have the option of checking out the theatrical version of Dr. Sleep or the director's cut. Both are worth your time. And I can definitely vouch for that. Uh, both movies, if you haven't watched them, please do. Okay? So, going down this list uh, on psychological horrors, the next one I want to talk about is a really, it's a great movie. And you know what? You might watch it, you might love it, or you might hate it. It stars Natalie Portman and it's Black Swan. Uh, it's absolutely to its true definition, a psychological horror film. Okay. Uh, it is way too complicated to explain, but it's a great movie. I enjoyed it very much, but it's one of those movies that you're either going to love or you're just completely not going to understand what the meaning is. Black Swan is also from Aronofsky, but where Mother is expansive and largely interpretive, Black Swan is relatively on the rails. Now, it's still uh, Alifonsky, so he's going to blow your mind, uh, your minds a decent bit by default, but the plot here is super tight. Natalie Portman won her Oscar playing the lead role a spiraling, out-of-control ballerina, and Mila Kunis is great in support. And they don't say much more than that, because like I said, it really is complicated to explain what the plot of Black uh, Swan is. It really is. You can't explain it in a paragraph or less. Uh, so moving on is a movie that I don't know how many of you guys have even heard of. It's called The Invitation, okay? The Invitation is a movie with a sense of dread that will stick with you from the first moment to the end credits roll. Logan Marshall Green, who is the star of the movie, he starred in uh, Devil, uh, also Overlord and Prometheus, uh, and he does look a lot like Tom Hardy, leads the cast as a guy who gets invited out of the blue to a dinner party with his ex and her new husband. That's probably bringing a bit of dread on uh, right there. The movie builds and builds and builds, and eventually everything becomes clear at the end as to what the invitation is really all about. And your mind will be racing, and you will not see the end coming. Now, I believe the invitation... It's, it's available for streaming. I'm just not sure if it's on Netflix, Hulu, or Amazon. Uh, I want to say Netflix, but don't hold me to that. It's a great film. Uh, recommend it. Uh, going down this list, they call it a psychological horror film. I don't necessarily agree with that. You know, it's a demon portraying a clown. Not that much psychology involved in that. So, of course, Psycho, which we've talked about as well in the past. Psycho is a great movie where, of course, the, the lead, played by Anthony Perkins, at the end, we discover, took, takes on the persona of his dead mother. But I don't want to actually talk about Psycho, the movie. I want to talk about the Bates Motel TV show. Uh I don't know how many of you guys have actually seen the original 1960 Psycho. If you haven't, you should. It's great. Uh, but I want to talk about the Bates Motel and how they really give an insight into the relationship with Norman Bates and his mother, 
who her name is Norma Bates. So you have Norma Bates and Norman Bates. It gives you the whole background as to how they ended up owning that motel. Uh, it's a great series. Uh, Vera Formiga is the star. Uh, she plays the mother of Norman Bates. I forget the actor's name who plays Norman, but he's fantastic as well. He's the star right now of the ABC show, The Good Doctor. I just, for the life of me, cannot remember the actor's name. My apologies on that. But watch the show, The Bates Motel. It really gives you a great insight and storytelling as to how Norman Bates became how he became. Uh, Norma Bates, how she did everything in her power to protect her son. And it actually, I think it lasted four seasons. And it goes all the way to the end where the end of the series actually ties into the beginning of the movie Psycho. And I loved how they did that. And some characters were changed around and some characters that did not make it in the movie survive in the TV show, but great, great TV show. So definitely, if you're looking for a psychological horror TV show, the Bates Motel is the way to go. Now, here's another movie, okay? It stars Christian Bale. And if you guys don't know who Christian Bale is, he's the man who portrayed Batman in the Christopher Nolan movies with Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, and The Dark Knight Rises, which is, in my opinion, the best uh, Batman movies ever made. I loved Christopher Nolan's uh, Batman movies. Anyway, American Psycho... Starring uh, Christian Bale. Uh, well, let me read what they t- what they say. Perhaps Christian Bale's most iconic role, American Psycho, so- sorry, Psycho, is ostensibly about a businessman with a rather dark side hobby. But the movie goes so much deeper than that. A dark satire in a lot of ways. The movie will scare you with its violence, yes, but will also make you think even more about society and what society finds important. Now, the movie came out in 2000, but it takes place in the 1980s. And by the end of the movie, you are going to be really questioning a lot of things. Uh, I did not see this movie when it was first released. I think I saw it about five years ago. And I'm like, damn. How the hell did I wait 15 years and miss watching this great movie? Uh, Christian Bale is absolutely phenomenal as the lead actor. So check it out. It's called American Psycho. And like I said, the end is going to have you questioning everything. Okay? It's it's really going to leave it up to you as to what your take is going to be. I don't want to say much more beyond that. So, now, there's another great movie called The Babadook. Now, this is a paranormal film, okay? Uh, in, the last, in the last decade, The Babadook has become a favorite among horror fans, and it has a 98% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It's a favorite amongst critics as well as, well as fans. The movie tells a fairly simple horror story, a children's book called Mr. Babadook essentially comes to life in a family's house. And this is not no Dr. Seuss story, okay? This is a demonic type creature. It's very, very scary and touches on themes uh, like grief as well. The story follows a mother and a son after the death of her husband and the kid's father. Scary-ass movie. Another recommended one. Uh, And here's another one that's sort of really flown under the weather. Uh, Sorry, under the weather. Under the radar. Uh, It's called Hereditary. It just came out two years ago. I believe this one's available on Amazon. Uh, It's a great film, and it's scary as hell. It's a cult movie. Uh, And it's uh, directed... I mean... 
let me see, let me read. Martin Scorsese is a big fan of director Ari Aster, who, with his two debut horror movies, Hereditary and Midsommar, has uh, made a pair of the most stunning and disturbing films you will ever see. We don't want to give away too much, but Tony Collette leads the movie as the matriarch of a family where, let's just say, things go incredibly wrong, and characters spiral mentally in a very clear way in the wrong direction. In an essay, Scorsese called scenes in Hereditary, quote, disturbing to the point of being uncomfortably so. And once you see the movie, you will not disagree. This is another... Uh, it's a cult movie. When I say cult, I don't mean like a cult following. It's about uh, a cult, okay? And a type of cult that believes in worshipping satanic rituals. I'm not going to say beyond more than that, but check it out. Hereditary, deep psychological horror film. Uh, they also go on to list Misery. Now, Misery, of course, these are horror movies where it's not full of blood, guts, and gore, where people just go to the screen just to get blown away by the, the amount of gore they see on the screen. This is about movies that really get deep inside your head, and by the time you're done watching these movies, you're left questioning a lot. So, Misery is another Stephen King book, uh, probably one of his scarier books. And what makes it so scary is just how realistic it can actually be. Everything in Misery could 100% absolutely happen today, a rarity for something based in King's writing. There's nothing supernatural happening here, just a very, very obsessed fan and a very, very scared man. Kathy Bates plays a villain, a villain to perfection, and James Caan gives one of his best performances as an injured, trapped man whose only chance is to play along. Now, if you haven't watched Misery, watch it. Okay, it's a great movie. There is no blood, there is no guts, but it's one of the scariest films you will ever see. And there's a, a recent movie that I just saw that's available on Hulu. It stars the great Sarah Paulson from American Horror Story, and it's called Run. And the reason why I'm mentioning the movie Run is because it draws on a lot of the psychology that is in the movie Misery but with its own unique and great twist that makes it so great. So check out Misery, and also if you've got the time, uh, check out Run. It's a brand new film. It just came out this year, and it stars Sarah Paulson, and it's a Hulu movie. It's, it was made exclusively for Hulu. Now, how many... I'm just checking on the time. We've got only a few minutes left. How many of you guys have either seen the movie Rosemary's Baby, which came out in 1968, or the TV miniseries adaptation like a good seven, eight years ago of Rosemary's Baby. That's another great story. Uh, the TV miniseries was scary as hell, as was the movie. Okay, Rosemary's Baby is one of the earliest psychological horror films, one of the first of its kind. And its impact is deeply felt in just about every movie on this list. The movie was a star-making performance for the great Mia Farrow, who plays this titular Rosemary pregnant and fearing that the increasingly odd people in her orbit, including her opportunistic husband, want to steal her baby for the use of evil cult rituals. Uh, Pharaoh plays the paranoia, whether justified or not, perfectly for one of the best horror movie performances in film history. And Rosemary, Rosemary's Baby is a legend. I mean, it's an iconic film. It's, it's, 
It's historical. So if you're into classic horror movies, watch the movie, but also check out the TV miniseries by the same title. It's called Rosemary's Baby. That was really great too. It it was scary as hell. Uh, let's see if we can fit one more in here before we're out of time. I just want to find a real good one on this list. Uh, some of these movies you guys may not have heard of. Uh, God, it's so creepy. It's so scary actually watching, going through this list and having watched almost all of these movies. Uh, so let's talk about. It Comes at Night. This is a 2017 movie, okay? It Comes at Night is one of the most artfully done horror movies on this list, and given its subject matter, a contagious plague wipes out humanity. Now, God knows we're very familiar with that on the screen. Feels especially scary right now, since we're dealing with a real-life pandemic in the real world. Joel Edgerton, Riley Coe, Carmen Ijoho, and Christopher Abbott lead the cast of this A24 film. And they don't give much detail about it because it can easily be spoiled for you guys. But if you're looking for another intense, scary horror movie... It Comes Out at Night is what it's called. It was released in 2017. So anyway, guys, those are that is my list of picks in the field of psychological horror. And I got to say, one thing you got to love about horror movies, what other genre is there that has so many subgenres below it? I mean, in the horror films... You've got the paranormal, you've got the slashers, you've got the psychological horrors. Uh, You can go so many different ways. A comedy is a comedy. I love comedies. Romance movies, uh, any other type of movie does not have the extensive subgenre as horror movies do. You can watch, like The Walking Dead, for example. I see The Walking Dead as more of a drama than a horror so technically it's a horror drama and yeah drama does exist in horror movies and the walking dead is a perfect example of that anyway guys we are out of time for tonight you guys have been amazing as always thank you so much to philip thompson to sammy to all you guys on youtube facebook twitter and of course our instagram folks i love those floating love hearts uh thank you to shibu who's giving us a thumbs up and DR to Drew, who's waving at us on Instagram. You guys are awesome. I'll be back on the air again tomorrow night. Please visit us at deadtalklive.com. And again, I'm going to say it again. You guys have to watch the interview from yesterday with Jamie King. It was very profound, an amazing interview from a person that has been in this in the fashion industry, in the movie industry, since she was discovered in Nebraska at the age of 13. So please check it out. It's available on our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And it's also available on our website. So till tomorrow night, guys, please stay safe. And remember, stay walking. Good night.